You're listening to the Optimal State Podcast. Here we go. Hive Mind Detonation in three, two, one. Let's go. Confronting the lies and bringing the truth to light. The, truth. the mainstream. You can't handle the truth. Has been put on notice. This is the Optimal State Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Optimal State. I am one of your hosts, Jared, and I'm joined by my man, Adam. How's it going, dude? Everything is going well. Thank you. How are you doing? All is well? Yeah, all is, all is well with me right now. Uh, you know, I didn't have any money in Silicon Valley Bank. Not that that would have mattered, I guess, because it sounds like they're they're going to just add a bunch of zeros to that digital ledger and give all the depositors back their money. So, um, but yeah, if you guys are joining us on uh, sometime around when this episode is recording, which is we're recording late in the evening on March 12th, Sunday, March 12th, um, you probably heard the news that Silicon Valley Bank has basically collapsed as well as uh Pretty recently, what was the name of the other bank, Adam? That that all signature bank, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, Friday. We had the news that Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. I think most of the general population, if you weren't in the tech world, probably didn't even know this bank existed. But this was a little backstory. This was a bank that largely funded a lot of startups. Was uh, one of like the first lines of funding for a lot of uh you know initial tech ventures venture capital etc so uh they were dealing with a lot of businesses that were riskier investments but could have really great payoffs so this bank apparently do long story short they were not balancing their books properly according to the fdic and the, the treasury department who determined that their bank should become insolvent so uh that's where we're at i guess they the bank is no mas as well as signature bank and uh you know it looks like the story is still developing but ultimately they did just the treasury federal reserve and fdic just released a, a joint statement together addressing this situation and why things are happening why bank seizures are happening by the government because that's ultimately what we're looking at. And if you guys have been listening to our podcast so far, you know, we're pretty new, but we've been talking about this pretty much since day one. We've been talking about the controlled collapse and, or the controlled demolition, I think is like the, the phrase we've used and ultimately the means of how they're going about doing it. And whatever this globalist you know, forces, however, it's, it's the, the head of this beast is manifesting here in the now it's, that's how it's going to start uh, going after things. It goes after whatever private institutions exist and uh, consumes them. So a little bit of a tangent, but I'm going to go into this joint statement that the treasury federal reserve and FDIC just released uh, a very short time ago, less than in, uh, about two hours ago. The following statement was released by Secretary of the Treasury Janet L. Yellen, Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome H. Powell, and FDIC Chairman Martin J. Gruenberg. Today we are taking decisive actions to protect the U.S. economy by strengthening public confidence in our banking system. This step will ensure that the U.S. banking system continues to perform its vital roles of protecting deposits and providing access to credit to households and businesses in a manner that promotes strong and sustainable economic growth. After receiving a recommendation from the boards of the FDIC and the Federal Reserve and consulting with the president, Secretary Yellen approved actions enabling the FDIC to complete its resolution of Silicon Valley Bank Santa Clara, California, in a manner that fully protects all depositors. Depositors will have access to all of their money starting Monday, March 13th. No losses associated with the resolution of SVB will be borne by the taxpayer. We're also announcing a similar systemic risk exception for Signature Bank, which was based out of New York, which was closed today by its state chartering authority. 
all depositors of this institution will be made whole. As with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. Shareholders and certain unsecured debt holders will not be protected. Senior management has also been removed. Any losses to the deposit insurance fund to support uninsured depositors will be recovered by a special assessment on banks as required by law. Finally, the Federal Reserve Board on Sunday announced it will make available additional funding to eligible depository institutions to help assure banks have the ability to meet the needs of all their depositors. The U.S. banking system remains resilient and on a solid foundation, in large part due to reforms that were made after the financial crisis that ensured better safeguards for the banking industry. Those reforms, combined with today's actions, demonstrate our commitment to take the necessary steps to ensure that depositors' savings remain safe. Last update, March 12th, 2023. 6.15 p.m. Eastern Time. So, yeah, we're uh, recording this 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That was a fairly recent statement issued by them. So, yeah, a good amount there to, to, to jump into. But, Adam, anything stick out to you? Anything you want to respond to right away? Well, we all know it's just printing more money, you know, and it's uh, it, it's sad because they don't uh they won't admit it, and it's just a hidden tax on uh, the citizens of the United States, unfortunately. And you know, these banks do bad business practices, and they get rewarded, you know. And God knows how much money they siphoned down the side. I think they said the CEO sold three million dollars in shares before um it went down. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. So yeah, well, there's a lot there with you just said as well. So I was going to say that, how would, how would the bank be benefiting coming out of this? But then you're saying that it actually sounds like it's an inside job with that as well, that the CEO- But then you short it, you know, you, then you can sure. short the bank, you know what I mean? And uh, with put, you know, with uh, puts, and then you, uh, you know, and then they can make even more money because they know the stock's going to go down. So, you know, you, the, the rich people, they buy the puts and then- uh, you know the, the market, or well, well, the bank's price, stock price tanks, and they they make money like that too. And then it's probably going to bounce back up because, uh, or unless it's insolvent, and then they're just taking off the stock market. I thought I thought I saw the price was like fifty dollars a share now, uh, when it was at like two fifty three hundred. And you had Jim Cramer on there, like you know, oh yeah, you should uh, buy this. It's a great stock to invest in. You know, it's like ridiculous. So he's doing that. He's doing a favor, basically. Say, like, oh yeah, buy this stock, and then it collapses a month later. Exactly. It's like he presents you with an option, and you basically know to do the exact opposite of of what he's telling you to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody knows that you can't. You know, it, they always say when Jim Cramer says something or anything on CNBC says something like about the stock going up or down, you always do the opposite. Uh, you know, all, all the stuff they're feeding you is, you know, like I think about it, they, they represent a corporation, you know, and then they're feeding you what you want to hear, not what you want to hear, what they want you to hear. And uh, so I don't really trust them. I, uh, anything that you see on the news, you have to just assume that it's fake, at least 95% of it anyway, because uh, they have no reason to really tell you the truth about anything. I mean, I think they slip maybe like a small percentage of truth in there. But uh, I think that we talked about it a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, that uh, they got news is entertainment now. You know, they don't have to really, you know, they're, they're legal propaganda. I think Obama signed that. Yeah, or something expired, I think. You know, um, I could look this up, but something, there was some sort of integrity in media, uh, some sort of like contractual obligation that all these media companies had to represent to have journalistic integrity. And whatever that was, it expired or something along those lines. So all of these companies that are these media companies that had some sort of responsibility or, or were determined to have some sort of, uh, you know, responsibility to the public to report accurate news, whatever that contract was expired, Based on what I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it is off the top of my head. So it, it kind of sounds like I'm making it up right now, but I will definitely look it up. Kind of going back to what we were talking about, though, I get I, my question for you is I think a lot of people might see this and, you know, they don't know quite how this applies to their life right now. Do you see this as being something that is leading to the fall of a house of cards? Is this the beginning of the domino pile going down? 
Is this an isolated incident? Is this some? Is this the government that we know right now behaving as as usual, where you know money money machine goes burr? Right. We were saying that before we started recording, and you know you pulled up some memes showing that already, and people talking about that. That's literally what they're doing. They're just uh, adding some zeros to the digital ledger and able to give these people back, uh, these depositors to Silicon Valley Bank their money. But like you said, that becomes then a tax, uh, an invisible tax on people who participate in the dollar economy because suddenly there's more dollars out there. So the dollar has less value ultimately because there's more dollars for the same, well, probably well, declining amount of goods. Really, that's the world we live in right now. Seemingly, seems that way. Right. Would you say so? Or is there at the same time, it does almost seem like we have an abundance of material goods, too. If you think of like Amazon and all the the crap that we produce. But go ahead. uh, You know, I I look at it more like they're not ready for the collapse yet. So they're going to continue to liquidate markets. And that was like the 08. um, You know, the um, when we had all those bailouts, you know, they're not ready to just, you know, completely destroy everything. So they're going to keep, you know, these markets and uh, banks liquid until. One day they want to transition to the digital dollar, and how are they going to do that? Maybe through uh, some sort of cyber attack or whatever they do. They, they want, they're going to want to transition, but they're not ready yet, so they can't let everything fail just yet. So they they just got to keep liquefying, um, you know, like I said, the markets and these banks, and just keep giving them free money. Uh, and it did say um, uh, that that they have like this new program. I think uh, let me just read it real quick because I think it's. You know, I I think it's important for people to uh, do I have it on here? Uh, yeah, hold on. But anyway, uh, so I I just think that they're just printing more money, unfortunately, and it's never they're just gonna keep doing it. They're just gonna keep doing it, and they're not gonna stop. And and this just kind of shows you that you they can do shitty business practices and get bailed out, whereas like. Everyday citizen, you know, you can't pay your mortgage or you can't, you know, who's bailing you out? Uh, there's no bailouts for us uh, as people. Um, and it's just sad because, like we said, it's a hidden tax on the people. And uh, just because it's not coming out of your income tax or you're not paying for it, uh, when you go to the grocery store, you are kind of paying for it. Just when, you know, you, you can't even get eggs for under $10. I mean, that's, that's you know, farm fresh. I mean, it's just crazy, you know. I, I remember when eggs were literally like a dollar seventy-five for non-fresh, uh, farm-fresh eggs. So, um, my advice, that- I mean, to to go with the chicken thing, you know, because I, I feel like I haven't said this, but I would like to say this. I grew up raising chickens. You know, my father had us as as children. Me and my siblings go out and take care of the chickens all the time. And I think honestly, if people have enough land, um. You know, and I guess that's like kind of a objective or subjective thing based on everybody's neighbors and climate, et cetera, family members. But based on your individual situation, if you determine yourself to have enough land and chickens actually could get by with surprisingly little amount of lands, a.k.a. factory farming, you know, as proof positive of that, that's an extreme. You definitely don't want to be like cramming them in cages like that, but they can get by with like um, not that much and they eat a lot of scraps. So. I mean, if you were to get three to four chickens, you could have a constant production of eggs. And that's something that, you know, you you find you make friends with your neighbors by giving them excess eggs that you have. And fresh eggs that come right from your own hens is is phenomenal. So um, that and other steps taking to should be taken to like remove yourself from this whole system. And I think that that's kind of, you know, the push that we're always saying, this is further evidence of doing that. You know, this is further uh, proof that you should get some chickens, that you should, you know, not be maybe think of investing your money elsewhere or your wealth elsewhere, we should say, rather than money, uh, because people probably don't even a lot of people don't want it, to. It's a, it's boring to think of the economy and money and crunching numbers, I think, to a lot of people. I don't think. I don't find it that boring. I know you don't either, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, but in, in some ways it is, you know, if we were just sitting here talking like interest rates and the fluctuation of interest rates, you know, our, our eyes would start glazing over. And a lot of people are like that. 
when you start talking about the difference between wealth and money. But ultimately, what we're saying is that when you work or produce something, there's value that comes from that. And usually an employer or the government will give you dollars to compensate for whatever you are producing of value. So what you could do and what a lot of people, it sounds like, are doing now, especially is starting to take that those dollars, that, that representation of wealth, and they're putting it in other things. They're putting it in precious metals. Have you done, are you interested, Adam, in any like gold, silver, platinum, any sort of metal investments? Yeah, well, I think that it's gonna you're gonna need those things in the future because once they digitalize everything, you're not gonna be able to really trade anything besides you know unless you have like gold coins or stuff because eventually when they switch to the digital system, you're not gonna actually have cash, and uh, so all your money is just gonna be like and like a Fed wallet type thing, and uh, where it's everything's tracked, traced, monitored, and so I, I do believe having gold and silver, some sort of alternative wealth, is important. Um, because you don't know what the future holds. And, uh, even though most people don't do anything with the gold besides just keep them, uh, but you know, gold really, if you held gold since, you know, at least the year 2000, you're up what four X, you know, as far, I think it was like $300 an ounce back then. Now it's like, wait a minute, maybe yeah, about four or $500. I don't know. I bet you're like three or four X at least up. If you, you held it for 20 years, uh, uh, against the dollar. But uh, yeah, I, I believe that everybody should hold some sort of precious metals of some sort. Um, you know, they they're a good safeguard, and you you can't really go wrong. The the price of gold is um traded around the world, so uh, this there's so much uh liquidity in those markets that you know it's hard to manipulate. Uh, I think I think it is held down though because they don't want the, they don't want the price of gold or silver to go up a lot because then it would destroy the dollar. So they have to um keep precious metals down to a certain degree um, oh yeah you know, anybody who yeah, goes down gold. the 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 uh the rabbit hole a little bit will see that there's a major major effort being put uh to suppress gold as uh a as a symbol of wealth well not a symbol of wealth but as like an actual measurement of wealth in like modern society you know they they really go out of their way to um suppress that for sure well, the last thing they want is you going there and giving paper for gold you know, exactly. like you know what I'm saying. Like that's the last thing they want, right? Um, because that the the beauty of gold or any precious metal is the it doesn't degrade. You know, that's the thing is like you could have a vault full of this stuff, and it's not like it's not like a vault full of corn, you know, or even like a vault full of um, something else that's could degrade over time. You know, like that's why gold and other metals are have for ancient for man's entire history have been symbols of wealth yeah um it's uh yeah and it it stands the test of time you know and if it, it works as money because you have to be productive in order to get it you know you have to mine it and you have to go through the effort to find it and that's why the u.s dollar doesn't have any value because if you can just print something into infinity there's no value there, you know, and th that value is based on production. And uh, you, I don't understand how the economy really is built on the system of just endless printing. Um, I, I guess it's just because we all kind of accept it, but uh, it's getting out of control. And I, I just kind of think that they're just going to print their way out of all these problems until, you know, they want to transition. And they, they weren't really. Well, that's what they're doing. It's the process yeah, yeah, of they, a transition right now. And I think yeah, that this yeah, is. Were. I'm just wondering how is, is this is this event, this Silicon Valley Bank, how's I'm just wondering the significance of this specific event. Like are we are we witnessing right now the nationalization of our banks? Like is that is that what's going on right before our eyes right now? Or is this just kind of like is this another distraction even? Because I see a lot of people talking about that as well like taking that angle so like again are we is something else happening right now that we should be watching and i'm sure there is i'm sure there's tons of stuff happening right now that we should be more aware of but we're talking about this bank so well but, well banks should work autonomously from the government you know and they don't totally 
They don't, yeah. Um, and that's why you should keep your money in credit unions. You know, credit unions have every incentive to give you good service and good quality, you know. But big banks, their whole point is to make a profit off you, you know. And uh, so that's where credit unions uh, are good for people um, because they, they tend to uh, want to work for you. And uh, I'm not saying they're, you know, I mean, I, I think all banks are bad, you know, but uh, I, I think that having money in a credit union uh, is probably a better idea than having it in like Bank of America or something like that. But, you know, to each his own, I think that uh, I just don't trust banks because, um, you know, the systems just, of debt, they're, they're usury factories. I mean, they're, they're almost as bad as like strip joints as like strip clubs or liquor stores or pawn shops. Like they are these sort of like, you know, fungus that grow up on a rotting body. And that's the sort, and that's what happens to all societies throughout history is when they reach their, their decaying point, you start seeing these cracks in the facade. And that's why, you know, it's biblical knowledge, the 10 commandments, the mosaic law, like, well, usury, I don't know necessarily fits in there, but, um, you know, it, it is in societies, it is seen as a, as evil to take debt from or put people into debt. And there's a reason for that because it leads to destruction. It leads to people destroying themselves because people have avarice, they have greed, they want more and more and more, and they could get sucked into these, these sorts of schemes. And we live in such a, 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 an evil society because it's like, we're, we're brought up from birth, just thinking that debt is normal. Everything is based around debt. A mortgage is all debt. Our, our credit cards are all debt. Uh, the the whole money system is just pure debt that's just given, sold back out to us, which is insane. And we're just all these debt slaves running around just trying to pay our interest. And it's, there's no way out of it, you know, really. I mean, it's as long as you keep buying into it, there's no, there really is no other way out. Which yeah. sounds bleak, uh, but well, the old, I, mean, I exactly. mean, the real way out is just to say no, but then you're just like, the scary part is, oh man, I've been raised and I've been bred to be dependent on this system. So when you say no and you turn around and suddenly you see nothing but wilderness, you're like, oh man, I, I have to start chopping these trees down and start building up from the ground up. But then you really, if you do look around and you, because you realize a lot of people are starting to make that decision, you just have to find the right tribe and, or your family around you, your friends, you know, hope that they're coming to meet you on your terms. So when you guys do turn and, and are, are looking to leave, you know, you have company. That's essential. Well, the problem is that people, debt is not a problem if you have the money to pay it, you know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, if you have a $30,000 loan, but you have, you know, 30,000, you know, you have, Three hundred thousand or a million dollars in your bank, but you have a thirty thousand dollar loan. To me, that's fine because you have the money to pay it if you need to. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not saying loans are bad. I mean the way that they suck people into um, getting these high interest loans uh, based on credit. I mean, you know, it's a uh, nobody should ever have to pay twenty percent for fucking anything. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. Twenty five percent. It's like it's insane. Um, but that's you know the whole system is based on debt. And that's why, you know, our government can't even, have, hasn't even paid its bills. That's why the debt ceiling hasn't been raised yet. Uh, the own government can't even rein in its spending. I saw a um, video of John Kennedy talking to uh, uh, Powell from the Fed, and he goes, "Well, um, if you, <clears throat> if we didn't have to, if we, if the government could just rein in their spending." Then, then the the government or the people wouldn't lose their jobs, basically. So because they're trying to reduce unemployment, they're trying to get un unemployment to go up because they're trying to uh, force this recession, you know, to get um, inflation down. So basically, he was saying, like, look, if government just reined in, uh, reined in their spending, we wouldn't have to reduce the unemployment, correct? And... Powell was like, well, it could work that way, but the government can't rein in their spending. So unemployment has to go up in order for them to fight inflation. So the government isn't willing to stop spending in order to save the job market or save people's jobs. They just have to keep spending. It's like, you know what it is? I call it all this economic heroin. 
you know, and that's exactly what, it, what it's been for the past, um, especially after the financial crisis. You don't even realize they've been printing money for a very long time. It just didn't happen after COVID. They've been printing money. And, uh, you know, I brought up in a previous podcast that when they tried to stop, markets became illiquid and they had to step in. So they have to just keep, you know, just giving the, the addict his dope, you know, and that's what the economy is. And then, then these banks are just um, drug addicts. And keeps going to the Federal Reserve, which is the dealer, and he keeps funding them more. You know, that's basically what's happening. Totally. And to keep going with that metaphor, if the junkie were to stop with their habit for even just a little bit, that would those withdrawal symptoms would be so severe. They would just be hunched over, puking their brains out. And and they know that. And I mean, would soon probably die from the withdrawal. And that's ultimately the the condition of this country or, or this empire we should call it because it's beyond the country i mean we're not even talking about we're not a, the the idea of a country is is so laughable like at this point that we would even consider that i mean nobody gets up and, and salutes the flag i mean the idea of like patriotism at this point is is silly you know that people would even hide behind that it's what it is is the uh the globalist agenda right or the the globalists, the the you know what we what we've been talking about, the people pushing this forward, right? Well, the problem um, is it gets mixed up with nationalism. Now, if you're if you are um, a freedom-loving American, you're like a nationalist. You know what I mean? And and they've kind of blurred the lines of like nationalism, and patriotism. You know what I mean? Like you can be a patriot, love your country, and love the people in it. And that's the thing. It's just like when I you know, I do love this country, I love the people in it. I hate the government. But, right, but the the, I, the funny thing is though they've completely villainized the word nation or or nationalism because yeah, exactly. being yeah, being true, of yeah. a pr- actually being proud of your nationalism is the the pride and even though pride is a sin but it's it's the uh the the esteem of being part of the of with your countrymen with your common culture with everything that comes with that with your community a country doesn't actually really signify that that's like a less has less sort of like um it's a less loaded phrase right it it, ha- it doesn't have that sort of like necessary cultural context it's just more describes like a geographic area i would say um but they've gone out of their way to villain vilify the the phrase nationalism and the concept of a nation um despite it being a, a biblical order uh the new testament jesus tells one of the last thing he tells his disciples is Go preach the word to all nations, and I mean to do so would to make to make strong nations, you know. And I, it, so it's it's just very interesting. It's it's totally by design. The same thing with gold. Um, we are going to take a quick break, though. I think we'll come back, touch on this a little bit. I uh, got talk on some other things too. Got some other interesting things in the news. Um, yeah, see you guys in a set.
Hey, all right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Optimal State. So we're picking up where we left off. We were talking about the, well, the joint statement released by the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC about the insolvency of the Silicon Valley Bank, as well as the uh, Signature Bank from New York, which happened today, Sunday. But I'm just wanted to reread the last paragraph from this press release, which goes like this. Quote, the U.S. banking system remains resilient and on a solid foundation, in large part due to reforms that were made after the financial crisis that ensured better safeguards for the banking industry. Those reforms combined with today's actions demonstrate our commitment to take the necessary steps to ensure that depositors' savings remain safe. So it's ultimately just saying, trust us. Because if you don't, who are you going to trust? There's no, there's no one else. There's no other show in town. But what they don't get is that that's, that's the old way of playing this game. That's what people like Janet Yellen, the dinosaur swamp creature, Janet Yellen, who's been around for 50 years about thereabouts, you know, along with these other people, uh, you know, these other dinosaurs, crypt keeper types, they don't get that the, the world order well, or they do get it. Uh, okay. They don't get it on the one hand in that they're still trying to play this dollar bully game, right? Like using the dollar as this like ultimate leverage point at the same time, they are aware that there is a shift going on. So it's kind of weird. It's a weird dynamic. I mean, how do you look at that? I mean, is that is that a fair take? It's almost like they're playing both sides of like a controlled demolition, but also trying to use the dollar as a point of leverage. It's like they're bleeding the system dry, but using it to like, like they're just revving that rental car. They're pushing the accelerator down to the floor. I like how they give themselves a pat on the back immediately. You know, that's like the first thing they do is pat, pat themselves on the back. Like, you know, we're, how great they are uh, for being able to prevent this by printing money into infinity. Uh, and they know that the gig is up. Uh, they know that the time is limited. Um, and yeah, you know what I was actually kind of thinking about? Because maybe like a decade, decade and a half. I mean, uh, Ron Paul's been criticizing the Federal Reserve. For a long time now maybe we're looking at the end of the fed and transitioning to a new system maybe run by the world bank or something like that maybe like they allowed him to like talk you know negatively about them because eventually they're gonna transition away from the federal reserve bank and they'll maybe you know like uh international monetary fund or the world bank will take over or maybe like uh, all the debt gets consolidated, and uh, who knows? I don't even know what they could do. Um, but it, it's very interesting because Federal Reserve has literally killed the dollar, destroyed it completely, and it, everybody knows that the dollar is at its end. Um, and I think that's kind of what you know, like your father, my grandfather worried about because my, you know, they they kind of. Or sketch sketched out about the system. My grandfather, um, you know, hoarded food in the basement like canned goods because just in case. Right, right, and yeah, my dad moved moved us up to the mountains. It's just like, well, if people had confidence in the system, why did people kind of feel that way? You know exactly, and so um, it and you can't really plan these things in courses of like 10, 15 years. I mean, they, you know, this is like these people probably think like fifty years into the future. Um, so obviously this has been, um, orchestrated because it, it's like the old FDR saying, uh, you know, nothing in politics happens by accident. And, uh, if it does, you better believe it was planned that way. And this is exactly, um, how to look at it. You know, nothing happens by accident in politics. You know, they just don't, you don't think that these guys or these people that go to like these brilliant schools for economics aren't aware that if they print money, it devalues the dollar, which ends up hurting all the consumers and taxpaying citizens. I mean, they know that. So why are they doing it? And the only reason why they would do it is that nefarious purposes. This is just not, you know, that what other reasoning could there be? Like, oh, I didn't, we didn't know. 
printed trillions of dollars, the prices would go up and, you know, uh, cost of living would go up. And uh, so it, it's very stupid. And uh, I, I think COVID really opened up a lot of people's eyes. Because I, I really noticed a lot of people were, what I call conspiracy minded, but uh, let's, just, let's just call it like thinking outside the box. I didn't really know a lot of people who thought outside the box before COVID. But now people kind of like after everything has happened, people are more sketched out about institutions and government and they're very uh, they're not really trustworthy and uh, the politicians aren't trustworthy and uh, the system that they built is um you know really meant for the top one percent to be successful yeah definitely top 0.0001 percent it seems yeah and uh it's almost like you know uh it's almost like they had this plan for a very long time and now they can implement it because they are transitioning to that digital dollar. So they have to either destroy it or uh, you know, wreck some sort of financial market when they want, you know, because they, they could easily do it now, but they're not ready to transition yet. So they can't. So they, they just got to keep, you know, they keep it going until uh, until it all comes crashing down. And then they say, oh, well, you know, we had to transition all your everyone's money is in this wallet now or we got to transition. Who knows what's going to end up happening? Something like that, because there's definitely something nefarious going on here, and you can't tell me otherwise. Well, they're getting it spreading, right? I mean, it's it's spreading like a cancer, because what they're doing is they've basically spread out to... Are you talking about what's spreading? Are you talking like... I guess the, 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 the system that is ultimately to be collapsed, which is the dollar, right? That the... That is the the currency that is used for this system the system of the west like the it's but it's a global system um but it's shifting from the dollar to the whatever the crypto dollar the global crypto dollar is um that comes to replace it that we've we've discussed episode after episode so far um but we think is ultimately going to come in to replace the dollar and i think what's ultimately spreading out is the um I guess the the control of let's see how 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 to explain it. It's like it's it's like a corrupting force that's spreading out from from the government, really. That's like spreading out and touching on things, and it's ultimately like it's almost like attaching detonate detonations, like hooking up wires along the way to things that you want to explode along the way. So maybe that's uh, a better metaphor than a cancer, but. I guess it's it's like when things do when like a toxic waste spreads out and it contaminates things. That's kind of what is ultimately happening. Well, what you're describing to me is big government. You know, that's the cancer. Yeah, big government is the cancer, and uh, and that is the the problem. That is the main issue that people aren't really looking at. It's just like, well, why are we facing all these problems today? It's because of big government, and uh, they convince everybody the only way that we could, uh, you know, the only way that we can survive is it's by expanding it, you know, and you can't expand government forever and fund it. It's not possible. Government isn't supposed to be expanded. I mean, it's like, it's almost like it's built off of a debt model because debt is the sort of thing that needs to be expanded in order. And that's ultimately what government does as well. It just keeps building uh, this bureaucrat bureaucracy after bureaucracy on top of each other. And it can't keep going like that. Eventually the whole thing will collapse. You need stability, right? And that's ultimately why gold has been a historical source of wealth because it's a stable source of wealth. It doesn't fluctuate. And that's why a monarchy also has been a, his or some version of that, some sort of strong centralized power that is usually embodied by some, whether it's divine or whether it's, uh, you know, traditional, there like some sort of aristocracy that is traditionally in power. You know, uh, sure, it has it that has its issues as well, but it pr- it provides stability. And this monarch or figurehead of the nation, ultimately, you know, they are tasked then with pretty much one fairly limited responsibility which is to to secure the well-being of the nation 
And oftentimes they also would uh, do that by protecting the source of wealth of the nation, which would be like the gold or, or whatnot. So, but then that gets corrupted when you have these sorts of banks that could pop up and, you know, uh, it's, it's all well and good to be a, a thriving private institution bank, but they exist to provide uh, debt. Like they, they create interest, they create loans that have interest on them of one kind or another, whether it's signing people off for credit cards, mortgages, uh, home loans, personal loans, business loans, all, all sorts of things that have six, 12, 20%, uh, you know, they'll start you out 0% APR for 12 to 24 months, but boom, then we got you 24%. You're paying that for 12, the next 12 years of your life. And, uh, you just get like tied in. You just have, it's, it reminds me of a Christmas carol when Jacob Marley comes to visit Ebenezer Scrooge and he has all these chains. I'm pretty sure they were supposed to embody his debts in life, or maybe they were the crimes he committed, but they that's that's the sort of change you would be dragging around these these chains of debt <clears throat> we need uh, people also need to realize that or at least things themselves well anything the government has really gotten involved in has it gotten better i mean they destroyed education right. you know they destroyed nasa you know they destroyed uh um you know anything they get their hands on they you know they uh destroy other countries by, by use of the military industrial complex you know, they, they, uh, they just, you know, and they're destroying the financial system now, you know, and that's exactly what big government does. It's just like you said, it's a cancer. It just seeps in and rots everything out. And that's exactly what we're seeing because you can't live on an unlimited budget forever. I mean, I don't get, how come I don't, you know, why don't they just send me an American Express card with, a, a you know, a trillion dollar limit? How come I can't do that? But the government can. Right. And by big government, we mean like kind of like corporate government in a way, right? Like we, this sort of, is that kind of what we're, we're defining here by, by big government? Well, in any state, that's what, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Involved in, in every, like promises right, of, in, in, involved in every facet of life. You know, like they promise we're going to go into other countries and bring them freedom. Do we bring them freedom? No, quite the opposite. You know, they say that they're, you know, everything they say they do is actually the opposite. Um, they're not ha helping financial markets by liquidating them. They're just putting a Band-Aid on and just waiting for another time to, to deal with it when they're ready. That's basically the game. Uh, it's like, I don't know, putting a Band-Aid on a, uh, on a I, don't know, I don't know, I don't even know. I, I don't really know how to explain it, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, like, you know, you know, it's like putting a Band-Aid on cancer. You know, you, you know, it's not going to fucking do anything. You know, it's like, or, um, I don't know, it's ridiculous. It's unfortunate that, um, the and the, you know, the government really has no reason to even listen to anybody. You know, like, they can do whatever they want. There's no, um, there's no consequence for these actions for them. Can I, I tell you something kind of funny? Think, it's It's really... It, it goes hand in hand with just the, the worldview of the West, uh, especially of the modern age. Just, you know, there's this article in Wired that's called Too Big to Fail. And that's basically what we're talking about, right? We're talking about these these too big to fail banks, uh, the system of debt that they'll, they'll just keep pumping, pumping, pumping and never until it, it completely falls apart. But this article is actually about a guy who can't stop eating. And he's like a tech guy and he's just talking about how he tried all these things, all these things, but he couldn't lose the weight until he took this drug. And then the whole thing is about like basically how this drug became is like amazing. I mean, I feel like I want to read some of it, but at the same time, I don't. It's just it's really it's awful in how it normalizes this worldview that I alluded to just a second ago, which is this like weak wristed, deliberate weak wristed approach to life where you're always never willing to take accountability, always approaching things like a victim and uh, never, never just aspiring to how you could be great. I mean, this thing talks about him 
just being pathetic, like just being absolutely pathetic in his attempts to lose weight. And never once did he say, I couldn't stand it anymore. I just, I couldn't stand being this. And I knew I, 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 it was over. I needed to change. Like that was it. And it was always just this like, ha ha ha. Oh, I, I tried to make like a little database and I updated it with my food calories. And it was like really insightful, but Oh, for whatever reason, I couldn't lose the weight. Uh, well, what was me? But uh, it's just so, you you could imagine this guy just sitting there typing this. So I think that's that's part of why this goes on, why it's allowed to go on, is it's it's literally hand in hand with how every most people have been born and bred to approach the life, this life in the West at, at least. Yeah, I don't. It's uh, but who really sees it getting better? That's the ultimate question. I mean, if we went and interviewed, you know, 100 people, what would they say? And I don't think most of them would say, well, you know, we're, everything's great. You know, we're, life keeps getting better. The quality of life keeps getting better for everybody. And we're, you know, we're really on a, a whole. Uh... Why do you think it seems like rare that nobody feels some sort of shame about that? Like that there's that things aren't as good as they could be. Like, I I wonder why it's not more pervasive that people feel like profound disappointment that things are so crappy. Well, because I think at the end of, at the, end of the day, admitting fault in this system uh, ends up like, because uh, everybody has something to do with why we're here. You know what I mean? And um, I don't think people really want to think about that. I don't think people really want to think. I mean, you know, it, it, it's pretty obvious we are not on the road to prosperity. I think that people realize this because prices have gone up and everything's more expensive. And uh, social media is making them depressed. Um, there's like, I think it's just... The, the world that we're living in is much different than just 20 years ago. And if you look back in history, technology didn't expand so rapidly as it does now. And I think the technology is just like making everybody sick, depressed. And it's like a, a COVID hangover where, um, you know, people, I think, are more aware of these truths that, people weren't aware of back in the 70s and 60s. I mean, there was a lot of faith in institutions and government back then. But now you start to realize, you start to question, no, I'm just saying you start to question these things all of a sudden and then you have your average person. Now it's not a conspiracy theorist that's questioning uh, these policies. It's everybody. But um, it, it's hard because politics is just not, um, the, the politicians aren't for us. And, you know, we don't really have a lot of re representation and they're allowed to do it if they want. And they feel that way. And so does the bureaucrats. Yeah, no, totally. Totally agree with that. Um, this is going to be my last thought, I think. I'm going to end with this one, which is that um, I, I agree with that totally. And here kind of comes the rub. Here comes, you know, the, the, the ultimate maybe future that we have in store for us because of that. What ultimately you have when you have weak leaders and failed systems or failing systems, because we have a we have a great way of life. You know what I said before about like profound disappointment with how things are right now. I mean, we most people in the West have a great way of life. I mean, we we don't have to really harp on that so much. It's more about what is what is, how it's being uh, stewarded right now, how it's being taken care of. And it's being allowed to fail. And it's being allowed to, it, it has been allowed to fail. And that's the inevitable, what we think the inevitable outcome and, and what we're seeing play out before our eyes. But what I'm thinking is when you have a loss of faith in your leaders, which is, is largely being done by design as well, you have what happened in China back in, uh, you know, Mao's great revolution, his cultural revolution. You have what happened with, the uh, Bolshevik revolution or the Russian revolution. Uh, and you have, there are pictures of like the old aristocracy or the old, the nobility, just like, you know, wheeling their, 
wheeling wheelbarrows down the street filled with paintings. And I mean, there's, there's also World War II, World War One. There's, there's so all wars. I'm just thinking it's like we've we've known such great prosperity, but when you lose faith in institutions, what comes next? Like you, people like question that, and they don't want to, they don't want to be a part of that anymore. And what we're trying to say is that is almost seems like it's an inevitability people losing faith in the system so what comes next there will be some sort of chaos if the infrastructure does come apart where where do you want to be when that happens do you want to have have been thinking about this and have that like what I, i was saying this earlier when you turn around when you turn away from the system most people are going to see a, a, a wilderness a place of chaos before them what what you should aspire to and and be working towards is to keep turning back and like, you know, start, start chopping those trees down, start putting up the huts, start working with the people around you to, so when the, when all of that, what was formerly beautiful and good does finally get destroyed by these psychopaths and you are forced to turn as like the, as the lack of faith in the institution, uh, in the institutions of order totally erodes and, and people who are, way more desperate for control of some kind are, are just start fighting and, and losing their minds. You have some place to turn to some place of, of safety and a place where you could be looking toward the, the next inevitable future where you're going to thrive, where you're going to live in the optimal state. So Adam, anything you would want to tag on there? Anything you want to finish with? Yeah, well, I think we're definitely in the state of uh, getting rid of the, the four olds, like in the uh, Chinese Cultural Revolution, uh, old ideas, the old culture, uh, old customs and old habits. And, uh, you know, and you can attribute a lot of things that are going on to each one of those, which is scary. Um, and you have to think, like, well, why is that? You know, what, what um, you know, what old ideas they get rid of? I mean, just even think of sound money, you know, sound money is, um, you know, an, an old idea technically. And uh, we've just replaced it with just, uh, I don't know, just the Kenyan, Kenyan economics. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's crazy, but hopefully that we don't end up, uh, you know, under some sort of communistic government. Uh, that they are going to be, you know, watching everybody, uh, kind of a digital dictatorship. Um, that's down the line, unfortunately. I don't even know how we can avoid something like that because there's no laws against this technology that's coming um, first. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no limits being set by governments to say, you know, we really shouldn't go down this road. Uh, so I... <laughs> I think that we're, um, you know, and I like to think that just people's awareness is uh, a positive that's coming out. Uh, people are definitely more aware. And I think that the only way for us to really find a way out is to kind of just shrink our lives. That's the only thing. That's really the only way out of this, you know, and not engage in uh, the world that they have uh, provided for us. Um you know, shrink your life and you'll probably be, be a lot happier. You know, and I'm not, you know, obviously with the podcast, like on social media and stuff like that, but I don't, you know, I'm not on Facebook. I don't like scroll through all that stuff because it's very depressing. And uh, just being on social media and even like, you know, just being on dating apps in the past, you know, that, that made me really depressed because it's just like, I didn't, I couldn't really understand or like, fathom what the draw was i just felt like i was doing it to do it you know and that's why i think social media is about it's just like nobody gets anything out of this it's just a you know it's just they feel part of something but anyway i'm gonna go off on a tangent if i don't stop but uh yeah i think that hopefully things get better but i don't see it um hopefully they stop printing money but they never will and uh yeah everybody enjoy their uh their week and we'll be back soon all right everyone Thank you all for listening to another episode. We're very, very grateful to have you guys as an audience. Check us out. Join our, uh, we're having a fun time on Twitter. I think Adam at Optimal State Pod would love to, uh, to 
first with you over there. And um, yeah, we'll see you all next episode. Have a good one. I'm not broken